It's a true, true joy to be here. Uh, we love this church. During all those years we were raising support, initial support to get to Japan, this church was always a blessing and an encouragement to us. Uh, and, and we're happy to be here. So thank you for having us. Please uh, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. God, as we look into your word, I pray that you would be moving in us, teaching us what it is you would have us learn, glorifying yourself, bringing honor to your son, in whose powerful name I pray, amen. The book of Revelation can be intimidating. It can seem mysterious and hard to understand. There are some things we just read that sound strange to us. We can be easily sidetracked into debates over various interpretations of the book or obsessively watch the headlines looking for clues as to dates, which the Bible says we have no business trying to guess. We can spend more time examining revelation charts 
and wondering what four blood moons mean than actually praying for the return of Christ. Remember the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 24 to his disciples as he was telling them what the last days would look like. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place. I know too many Christians who are scared of the book of Revelation and of the last days. God did not give the message of the revelation to John in order to freak you out. What I want to show you today is that the message of the revelation is ultimately one of hope. It's the story of God completing what he began so long ago, the redemption of his people and the renewing of creation. It tells us that the day is coming when God will destroy everything that is wrong in this world. It tells us that if your faith is in Jesus Christ, the day is coming when pain and suffering and sickness will end. Because Jesus Christ has defeated the greatest enemies of mankind, sin and death. Are you discouraged by the injustice and the, the suffering that you see in this world? You should be. They're invaders to this world. They don't belong here. And the day is coming when God will finally make everything right and rule forever in his perfect kingdom. Revelation is the hope of every Christian. In chapter 4 of Revelation, God gave John the apostle a vision of heaven. And there he saw the throne room of God and the majesty and the power, the might of the creator of everything. This morning we're looking at chapter 5. And though our scene is still in heaven, the theme changes from worship of God as the creator to the worship of God as the redeemer. It is both our duty and our privilege to worship God as creator. Because all that we have, our life, our talents, our abilities, our food we ate this morning, the breath in our lungs, everything comes from our awesome creator, God. When you see the beauty and the wonders of this world, of this universe, praise God. He is due our praise. He is mighty. He created these things to show us his glory. Creation is a major theme in the Bible. But the greater theme in Scripture is that of redemption. God's redemptive love. Love that motivated God to act, to save his children. We were trapped in this fallen, sinful world. 
And God's love acted to redeem us and this world. We have to daily, daily reflect on this love and praise our God for it. And so in John chapter 5, John's gaze is drawn to the throne of God and he sees a strange sight which he describes in these opening verses. Verses 1 through 4. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. So we have the scroll that seems central to the vision of John. And no one can open it. Now, from chapter 6 through chapter 10, if you read ahead, we see that this scroll symbolizes seven events that have not happened yet. And as the scroll is unrolled, seven sections at a time, these events will take place on the earth. Um, In chapter 10, verse 7, the scroll is fully open. John gives us a clue as to the meaning of this scroll. What, What is it? So let me read verse 7, chapter, chapter 10, verse 7. It says, But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. This verse gives a name to this scroll. It's called the mystery of God. It answers questions that people have been asking for generations, which no one has been able to answer. Why can't we solve the great problems of mankind? Why are we still plagued with the same troubles that plagued our ancestors? We hear about our our technological advances, the wonders of science. We see in certain areas of the world steps towards peace. We look at how far we've come and we say, we're almost there. We're so close. Then we look at other places of the world where war and strife and violence are part of everyday life. We look back on history. We find that despite all our advancements, no matter what we've tried, no matter who we've put into power, The truly great problems of mankind, the ones we wrestle with every day, are the same that men and women have wrestled with since Adam. War, crime, hatred, disease, death, separation. How God is going to solve all these problems which ultimately are rooted in our sin, is what the book of Revelation is all about. You see, the day 
when that scroll is fully opened, is the day that God's kingdom will come in fullness and everything will be made good and right and new. It's the day that every person throughout history has longed for from the bottom of their hearts. So John, here's an invitation to all the universe. If anyone can open this scroll, let him step up. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy? Who will solve the problems that have been with us forever? Who is smart enough? Who is good enough? Who is worthy? But the truth is that every kingdom, every dictatorship, every empire, every democracy have proven that no man no woman, no government can solve our problems. Throughout history, men and women have tried and failed and been proven unworthy. No one is worthy to open the scroll. We are powerless to solve the problems of mankind. And so John wept. He wept he says, because no one in all history could unseal the scroll or look inside. And until that scroll is open, God's kingdom will not come in fullness. So John wept. But then John learns that the problem of sin, which is the true root of all our problems, has already been solved by the one who is worthy to open the scroll. Verse five, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These are Old Testament titles which referred to the prophesied king who would at last rule over all the earth. The great king is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. And John knows this can only be Jesus, my friend, Jesus, my Lord, Jesus, my master. He who fulfilled centuries of prophecy, who died and rose again and ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and took his rightful place as king of creation. And so he looks, expecting to see Jesus in all his glory and majesty, the lion of Judah, who crushed his enemies under his feet. But he sees something quite different. Verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. He expected to see a lion and what he saw was a lamb with the marks of death still upon him and those marks of death are still upon him today and they will be for eternity. 
The Old Testament sometimes conflicts, seems to conflict with itself when it talks about the Messiah. Sometimes it tells us he'll be a mighty king ruling in power and authority. Sometimes it tells us he'll be a servant and go meekly to his own death. How can our Savior be a ruling king and a humble servant? John sees the answer. The lion is the lamb. Lions conquer. Lambs submit. Lions rule. Lambs meekly obey. Jesus the lion has defeated our great enemies. He has destroyed death. And he rules in power today. The paradox is that he has conquered by submitting. He has given us life by quietly going to his own death. As the final and great sacrifice, the penalty for all of our sins. He is the ruling lion and the slain lamb. As the Lion of Judah, Jesus reigns in awesome power, and it is right and appropriate to fear him. But if you are weak, if you know that you're broken, if you're helpless and hopeless, if you felt the weight of sin, the burden of the law, and know you can't carry it, Look to the Lamb, and you see your compassionate Savior. Because our Lion, our great and mighty King, is a Lamb. And as a Lamb, as the Lamb of God, He is filled with mercy. He is filled with grace. Simply trust Him, and he will bring you into his kingdom. Nothing is required of you. Just trust in Jesus and you will join him in his glorious kingdom. He will give you life and peace and rest. Are you tired? Turn to Christ. You will be with him in his kingdom. He is the only one worthy to take the scroll and remove its seals. And so John sees him here with the scroll in his hands. Verses 8 through 10. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This is a great missionary verse. Actually, these verses describe the end of missions, the fulfillment of missions. John Piper says that missions is not the 
I'm not going to give you an exact quote. Missions is not the first priority of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The day is coming when all of God's redeemed people from every tribe and language and nation will be gathered before him from Adam until the last of God's elect. God, haste the day. But the day is not here yet. And so there is work to do, church. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Everyone on earth spoke the same language. And in their pride, seeking to prove themselves equal to or superior to God, they said, we'll build a great, a great tower. And God, in his judgment of their pride, humiliated them and separated the languages. People suddenly couldn't speak to one another. Lifelong friends couldn't talk to one another from that day forward. Families were separated. People had to leave everything and move to new places and start over from zero. It was a terrible judgment and a terrible day. Now, I've been working hard for the last four years trying to learn Japanese. It's a difficult language, which means I spend a lot of time cursing these fools. <laughs> because of that day, there are so many added barriers to the proclamation of the gospel to all the people of the earth. Because of that day, I can't go wherever I want in the world and just preach. Because of this day, evangelism is harder. It's awful. It is a terrible judgment. But look at what God's going to do in his kingdom. Every language will be spoken before the throne of God. In his kingdom, God will transform his judgment into something beautiful. This terrible judgment, God will redeem and use for his glory. Every language will be used to worship almighty God. You may not know this, but pastors, missionaries can be easily discouraged. We want so badly for Jesus to be worshipped everywhere because he's worthy of the worship of everyone. And there are so many places where he's not worshipped. There's so much work to do. I long for the day I pray for the day when, when, when churches are in every city in Japan proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are so many who haven't heard. There are so many cities with not one church. Jesus isn't worshipped in Japan. And it breaks my heart. But this verse gives me hope. 
It tells me that one day when we stand before the throne of Jesus Christ, there will be a multitude of our brothers and sisters singing praise to him in Japanese. God is building his church in Japan and in Nepal and in Bangladesh and in North Korea and in Iran and in Syria. And when we see it gathered before the throne, it will be amazing. This is the worship of heaven. And Jesus Christ is the center of it all. Jesus, our slain lamb, will be worshipped by every language. That's beautiful. I want to talk to just the Christians in the room for a minute. Um, I cannot wait to be with you on that day. I'm so excited. But until that day, God has left us here with a purpose to tell people the good news that Jesus Christ has conquered our enemies sin and death imagine the joy you could have on that day when you look around and see your husband your wife your children your parents your friends your neighbors standing with you in worship of our king it is your job to keep telling them what Jesus has done. To plead with them to turn to Christ. You may have people in your life that you think, never. This person is never coming to Christ. I'm telling you, keep going, keep praying, keep proclaiming. God can save anyone. I am proof of that. Pray for your family and your friends and your neighbors. Pray for the nations. And don't stop telling what Jesus has done so that they might be with him. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I'm very happy that you're here. I love you. I need to warn you. Death is not the end of life. God will one day judge all unrighteousness and your sin will require a payment. And the cost is higher than you can pay in all of eternity. And the price for your sins is more terrible than you can imagine. But if you put your faith in Jesus today, his own death will pay the price for your sins. He will take your punishment. And he will give you his own reward. Heaven. Nothing is required of you. Just trust in Christ and you will be with us in this kingdom. You will know peace and joy and rest forever. John says, he heard the angels singing a new song. This is the song of redemption. The angels around the throne are singing 
Because they have seen God give grace to sinful people. He didn't give grace to the angels. He has to us. And the angels are amazed. And they sing. That God would save willful, rebellious men and women like you and me. In our pride, we have defied God. But in his love, God calls and forgives and restores and saves us. Not because we've earned it. Not because we deserve it, but because he's gracious and merciful. This is the reason for the worship of heaven. It's the death of Jesus. His blood was poured out for sinners from every tribe and language and nation and people. Remember the beautiful words of the apostle Peter. First Peter 1.19. He said... We are not ransomed with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. I do not know anything. I do not know anything that is able to melt the human heart more than the fact that we who deserve death are given life at the cost of the life of Jesus Christ. This is why we will sing the song of redemption. Jesus hear, John hears this glorious song. Verses 11 through 14. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And all that is in them saying. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. When the scroll is fully opened, heaven and earth will join in this worship. That is the goal of all history. Every event from the creation of the world has been moving toward the final goal of history, the reign of King Jesus and the worship of him by the people whom he has redeemed from every tribe and language and people and nation. Pray for the day to come. Work until it does. Let me pray. Oh God, haste the day when Jesus is king of all and everything will be renewed. When things will be as they were meant to be. Until that day, give us strength. Give us courage and boldness to proclaim the good news of your son to any who might hear. God, we don't know why you've seen fit to use sinners as us in calling people to yourself, but you have. It is mercy and we are grateful.
Make us willful instruments in your hand. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.